You are listening to Equip Campus Ministries. Father, thank you again. Thank you for um, uh, allowing us to be here. Uh, We thank you. We give you praise. You say to be thankful in all circumstances, and so we are. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless this time again. Help us to um, see you. We would see Jesus. Um, Lord, give us minds that would decide to think um, now and to care. Lord, you would give us a zeal for truth. You would give us a zeal to follow what you have taught us, how you've taught us to pray. And so, Father, we ask that you do this. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, real quick thing on the fall retreat, if you just came a little late, fall retreat sign up tonight. If money uh, is the only thing that would keep you from fall retreat, one thing I would say is save 20 bucks and sign up uh, tonight or tomorrow, whenever. It closes next Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night will be the last opportunity for the early bird. But also, if money is the only thing that would keep you from coming, you just are flat broke and you can't afford $79, uh, talk to me. That will be the, that, if I can help it, we have scholarships and stuff available. So if that's the thing that would keep you from coming, I don't want that to be the thing. We'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, I'll sell a kidney or whatever I got to do to get you to be able to come or Adam will sell one or something. Um, you buy my other one. We would be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. Uh, actually, I would be good to go. I'd go see Jesus. That'd be cool. Get somebody to fall retreat and die. There we go. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going through the Lord's Prayer. Um, I mentioned this very briefly last week. We're going to be studying the Lord's Prayer, sometimes just a handful of words at a time. I'm actually very eager for this. Typically, if you've been around, we go through a whole book, more or less, but we skip a ton of stuff because you can't really get through a whole book unless it's Second John or something, which is like 70 words. And so, so we're going through the Lord's Prayer. I don't know how many words it is, but it's not many. Um, and we're going to be picking it apart. So tonight is going to be the preamble, if you will. It's going to be the opening stuff, introductory stuff about the nature of the Lord's Prayer before we dig in in earnest about it. Um, I want to start with an application um, first. <clears throat> uh, you're not going to learn how to pray, even if, let's say, you somehow are able to listen to me um, really intently and believe everything uh, that, I, that I say for the next few weeks. You won't learn to pray unless you actually pray. This is application first. Typically, you do application last. Sort of. We're going to do both. Pray. This is the first application. If you're going to really learn how to pray and what prayer really is, I'm not talking about saying grace. I'm not talking about the two-minute prayers before you sleepily drift out to sleep. If you really learn how to pray, you're not going to do it unless you devote to yourself to it. All the teaching in the world, all the books, as helpful as they can be, I hope this is really helpful, uh, won't get you there. And this is the only thing, it's interestingly, at least all that we have recorded, the only thing that Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them is how to pray. He says, teach us to pray. As John the Baptist taught his disciples, teach us how to pray. Apparently, uh, at least nothing we've recorded, it's the only thing they asked him. One of the guys I read was said, you know, I would have asked him personally, like, how do you walk on water? Or how can you raise the dead, right? You know, that's interesting. They never asked him that question. Presumably, we don't have it recorded in the scriptures. They asked him how to pray. And so, perhaps needless to say, but it's not. It's not needless to say. Prayer is absolutely central to the Christian life. Um, the Lord's Prayer, some people describe this as like the Magna Carta of Christian belief. It's sort of like the, the uh, center this gem that has a ton of content, and it's on prayer. 
And so prayer is absolutely paramount. Jesus assumes you're going to be praying. And in just a second, I want to get into what exactly it looks like very briefly. He assumes you're going to be praying. He assumes prayer is absolutely central into your Christian life. And one guy said something like, uh, a Christian is no more, nothing less. Don't quote me on this. But he's no more, nothing less than what he is on his knees. What are you? What is your faith like? is most importantly, perhaps, seen in the nature of your prayers. And so you have things like this. This is why I say it's paramount. It's not just to give, you know, hyperboles so that you think, oh, this is important. Jesus prayed a lot. The second member of the Trinity, the Savior of the world, the perfect God-man prayed a lot. He didn't just pray uh, throughout the day. He prayed sometimes all night long. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed all night without ceasing. I won't ask for a show of hands, but anyone ever done that? You ever prayed for hours and hours and hours straight? That's the kind of prayer Jesus did. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke, tw- I don't think this is on that. What's oh, that? In Luke twenty-two forty-four, uh, Luke describes the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying. He says, "And being in agony, uh, this is the night before he gets arrested, right? Or night he does get arrested." Uh, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and Luke says, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Whether that's literally sweating blood or not, um, who's ever prayed so hard you've been sweating? (laughs) That someone will walk by and go, ooh, you know, you, you B.O. because you're praying hard. And so rhetorical question is that ever been or hardly ever been your experience of prayer? As a Christian, as a professing Christian, if you're a professing Christian, if you're not, that's okay. Please be here. But if you're a Christian, is that your experience of prayer? Sweating. You're praying so hard. Or even put it more accurately, do you even have a category of what in the world? How do you pray hard? What does that mean that you sweat? Do you even understand why that would happen? I certainly didn't when I was 19 to 20 years old. I hardly do still to a very large degree. So prayer is paramount. It's not piddly. I would suggest, um, don't take this as an insult, I would suggest most of our prayers are piddly, pathetic little things. Often, let's at least say. I know mine are, often. As I mentioned, I, before I go to bed, I pray for maybe five minutes sometimes if I'm not, and I'm drifting, I'm half asleep, and, you know, whatever. Paul prays us to. Uh, Paul commands us to pray without ceasing. He has his language. He doesn't being literal. Never sleep. Never eat. Just pray nonstop. You know, one hundred percent of the time. He says, "Pray without ceasing." It's constant, continual, in and out through all things as much as possible. Paul has one of his guys. He describes him as laboring in prayer on on the believer's behalf. He says, "Kimmer, uh, who he goes, he labors in prayer for you." Just same sort of thing as Jesus in the garden, sweating, praying hard. A labor, a, a striving, is another translation. So just right off the bat, prayer is paramount. Prayer is this just, I mean, it's probably impossible to overemphasize the importance and centrality of prayer. And then you have these examples of sweating, and Paul laboring and earnestly. And then, then bring that as a mirror and just consider yourself internally and say, do I have any connection with that? Or is there very little connection with that? I think that's the vast majority of Christians. I could give you statistics and all sorts of things of Christians saying, here's how much I pray, and it's very, very small. Things like this, well, I'll skip that. There's this 
scriptures that say, whatever you ask in prayer, God hears you. And if he hears you, you know, he gives it. You know, is it. Do you have a kind of confidence in your prayer life that God hears you? And if he hears you, he grants it if you pray according to his will. These insanely huge promises in the New Testament that some people want to take and say, oh, I'll pray for a Ferrari and God will give it to me, right? So there's, there's important work to be done and what, what John means when he says that. But there are really huge promises that center around prayer. So not being a prayerful Christian is like being an accountant who doesn't like numbers, right? Or who doesn't spend much time with them. It's like a nurse being afraid of blood um, and trying to avoid blood as much as possible. It's like a farmer who doesn't bother irrigating or planting his seeds. That's what it's like. That's a, probably far more important than that. To be a prayerless Christian or a very tiny little praying Christian is worse than that. The farmer loses his farm, as many of you know. If you don't plant, you don't irrigate, if you need to irrigate, you lose your farm, you lose your crops, right? It's just an oxymoronic thing to say a farmer who doesn't bother planting. It's just central to what he does. It's what prayer is central to what a Christian is. So prayer is absolutely important. So why don't we pray? If that's your experience, I'm guessing that 99% of you, at least to a large degree, often enough in your life, perhaps you are feeling this right now, you just hardly pray. We're always coming with excuses or as reasons, I'm tired, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Why don't we pray? If, in fact, it's so central, if Jesus, the Savior, the Creator, John describes him as the guy who through Jesus, everything in the world was made. (laughs) It's through him somehow, mysteriously. So Jesus gives us an example, and most of you know those examples, at least a little. Why in the world don't we pray? If we have such commands, we have such examples in the scriptures. Here's a few reasons. I'll be quick. Uh, Prayer is hard. And we are weak and lazy. That's one reason. Ian Bounds, uh, is actually, we're going to come back to that. Oh, I did have that. (laughs) He says this. uh, Praying is spiritual work. Spiritual work. He emphasizes that. That's what prayer is. It's not just a thing. It's work, spiritual work. And human nature does not like taxing spiritual work. That's correct. Human nature wants to sail to heaven under a favoring breeze, a full, smooth sea, mm, out with a T and something. Prayer is humbling work. It abases intellect and pride, crucifies vainglory, and signs our spiritual bankruptcy. All of these are hard for flesh and blood to bear. It's easier not to pray than to bear them. It's easier just to avoid prayer altogether than go in up to the Lord and, and feel the weight of our pride, feel the weight of our, our intellect being crucified, because in prayer you're not, you're not out doing things, you're not being seen, as we'll talk about. So it's hard. That's one thing to acknowledge. If you're a Christian, it actually is hard. I think he's right. It's difficult work. Real prayer, let me stress. True, it's not always equally hard, but it's really hard. Serious, agonizing prayer, the kind of prayer that Jesus sweat over is hard work. Secondly, we don't know what or how, I think. These are just my suggestions before we get into the meat of the passage. We don't really know what prayer is. We're going to be studying what prayer is the rest of the few weeks, and so I'm excited to dig in. But I don't think, by and large, that we really have a good, solid, biblical, clear thinking, understanding. Most of us weren't taught, as I said last week, most, I did, play more dodgeball than studying the Bible in youth group growing up, right? We don't really know what it is. What is prayer? There's just a smorgasbord, a whole buffet line of options out there telling us what prayer is. American flag kind of prayer is one that came to my mind. 
in which literally the American flag's hanging in the background of the church and you're, you're praying. Lord, make this country Christian again. It's confusing. What is that? How does that work? Patriotism in Christianity. Does God heal? Am I supposed to pray for, for physical healing? How does that work? All sorts of, forgive me if you like these, <laughs> all sorts of corny acronyms like frog, fully rely on God. Yeah, I got an acronym now. I don't mean that to diss anybody's like the frog stickers. Push, pray until something happens. Is that, we just keep at it. By the way, I'm not necessarily saying these are bad. There's things. Pray until something happens. Is that how prayer works? I don't know. Take heaven by violence, Jesus says. Ooh, I gave it away. Take heaven by violence is a phrase in the New Testament. What does that look like in prayer? What does being violent in prayer mean? Are you supposed to be still and listen mostly in prayer? On and on and on. You're supposed to address God and not Jesus, so you're supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, most people don't have answers to these questions because we're just super duper confused. We're really lost about what prayer is. And I think most ultimately, we'll be digging into this, who God is. It makes a difference who you're talking to. It makes a difference if in your head you're talking to the creator of the universe or something else. Um, it makes a difference if you're talking to your five-year-old blonde niece or your, uh, the president of the United States. How you address those two people is different. How you understand the honor bestowed upon the president or not um, makes a difference of how you talk to him. And so we don't know who God is to a large degree and often get confused. So it makes a really big difference whether you understand who you're talking to. But I think we're very confused. Finally, last, uh, why don't we pray? We don't consider our Lord's teaching often. We don't just stop, put our phones away, get away, and consider. We've lost to a large degree. And when I say we, I really mean we, by the way. We've lost to a large degree our ability to sit and think and consider the truths of what God has for us. We are much more apt to like 140 character teachings or, you know, if the video on YouTube isn't over, if it's over two minutes long, ugh, I'm not, it's too long. I don't want to bother. Uh, A.W. Pink says, how ignorant and sinful creatures are to endeavor to come before the most high God. How they are to pray acceptably to him and obtain from him what they need can be discovered only as the great hearer of prayers pleased to reveal his will to us. This is he has done, one, by opening up a new and living way of access into his immediate presence for the very chief of sinners, which when you're speaking that sentence is you, me. Two, by appointing prayer as the primary means of communication and blessing between himself and his people. And three, by graciously supplying a perfect pattern after which the prayers of his people are to be modeled. So that's where we come to it. We don't know how to pray. We don't consider Jesus' teaching very much. And yet we have one, as he says, this perfect pattern modeled by the Lord Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. That he says, pray like this. And so we want to look at it. Jesus has actually opened up a way to interact with this holy God in whose presence there's, there's wrath and fury and terrifyingness that the Israelites were terrified of in the wilderness. Jesus says there's an immediate access to him. And here's how. Here's how you interact with him. And so we come to Jesus. There are very few things more important than coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus and getting taught and learning. This would be like uh, someone getting offered free basketball lessons from Michael Jordan and um, not, you know, not taking advantage of them. If you get your basketball player and you get offered my lessons from Michael Jordan, you do whatever you have to do. There's really, you know, 
you don't even hesitate. You get up at 3 a.m., you, you skip class, you do what you have to do to get those lessons. It's very, very easy decision. Or the, uh, try to think of physics major getting tutoring lessons from Einstein. The agricultural engineers getting tutoring lessons from John Deere. Turns out he's a guy. <laughs> Didn't know that. John Deere is named after John Deere. Yeah, if you get offered free tutoring lessons from John Deere and you're in agriculture, you just do it. You're like, oh my gosh, except he's dead, but you know. <laughs> you just do it. You know, you know, because he's an authority. He's brilliant, you know. How do you improve the plow? Oh, I'll teach you. You sit at his feet and you learn. And you, it's so easy. And so we have, we have that times 10,000 in words on a page in front of you maybe right now. We have that for prayer. How do you communicate with God, the creator of all things? How do you interact with him? And you have Jesus Christ say like this. Like, oh, geez. And you do whatever you can do. You dive in deep, you pray, and you say, Lord, teach me. So, man, that's what we have. So we have in the Lord's Prayer. If uh, that doesn't, at least a little bit somewhere in the back of your head, go, wow, you know, a little bit of firecracker going off of eagerness, you're like, holy buckets. Never really thought about that. Um, I encourage you to pray and ask for it. Right now, later, ask for goodness sakes. You have the Lord Jesus Christ teaching you how to talk to God. Without which, without Jesus, in fact, you would be obliterated. Jesus, God wouldn't hear your prayer. We have a problem with entitlement, I think, in our generation, perhaps especially. I say that often, but I think it's true. We have a problem with entitlement. We think we're entitled to just come before God and, hey, how's it going, man? How you doing, buddy, bro? You know, there's this bro culture sort of talking in prayer that maybe you're not familiar with, but it's influential. Without Jesus, you're just, you're annihilated, right? You're burned away in his holiness. So you have Jesus offering, opening up a way to actually talk and says, pray like this. So our master teacher uh, first starts off, before he says how, he says how not. This is Jesus, and he's the perfect teacher of all time, and he says, here's a couple things not to do. That's what we're going to talk about mainly for just the next couple minutes tonight. And there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of mystical religions. There's lots of chanting, lots of repeating phrases. There's the, uh, the Oprah House of Prayer, the Oprah House of Worship, if you will, who maybe you're all too young to remember, but... She used to have little meditation sessions on her show in which millions of middle-aged women, mostly, uh, would watch and participate with. She was teaching how to pray. Jesus has a very different way, and so we need to pay attention to him. So, num number one, how not to pray. Two things. Don't pray for the wrong reward. Don't pray, Jesus says, for the wrong reward. He says this in Matthew 6, verses 5 through uh, something. When you pray, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus knows best. He knows your heart better than you know it. He really does. He knows my heart better than I actually know myself. He knows best. He knows, for one thing, that we have secret motives, maybe not always so secret. We have sinful motives 
for the reasons that we pray. He knows this about us. This is why he's saying, don't do this. For example, these, these hypocrites who go and stand on street corners and synagogues, and they pray out loud for the purpose of being heard. And the category that he gives this isn't, don't do that, that's wrong. Or don't do that, that's hypocritical. He calls them hypocrites. Or it's sinful, or he doesn't even label the, the further sin that's involved there. What he says is, that's the wrong reward that you're seeking after. It's the wrong reward. It's not whether, but which. Doing something for reward, in other words, is not the problem for Christians. Doing something for reward is not the problem. It's never whether you're doing something for a reward, but which reward or what kind of reward. This is who we are. We are absolutely reward-driven creatures. It's in our DNA. There's always a carrot at the end of the stick in all of our decisions in all of life. This is unavoidable, and it shouldn't be avoided. For the hypocrites, the street corner synagogue prayers, it was the praise of man. That was their reward. That was what they were seeking. That's what Jesus says. They pray in the street corners so that they may be seen by other people. Their purpose was to be seen, which is, of course, the ever-present human error, human mistake, uh, which is to get glory. It's to get recognition. It's to get honor. The word of the Bible typically, that's, there's a lot better ways and more ways, but that's a really good understanding of glory, partly of glory. Recognition, of honor, being seen. That's what the, uh, if I can be so bold, well, that's not really bold, the Mayweather-McGregor fight, they are up there to be seen at the end of the day, to make a lot of money and to be known, and they say so very, very explicitly. Right? But it's not just the, the once-off, you know, one in a million people that are famous. This is our constant mistake. We want glory. We want to be seen. And it's a reward that we're seeking after. You have to recognize that. You have to dig down a little deeper into your heart and say, why am I doing this thing? And the reward that he sticks out here is the reward of praise of man. It's glory of man. And so seeking glory, seeking reward isn't the problem. It's the source from which you seek it. The problem or the issue is where you seek the glory, where you seek recognition, where you seek the honor. Why? Why is that actually the issue? Why is that the problem? I think at least two reasons, many more maybe. One is it glorifies the source. It's the source from which you seek the glory. That's the problem. It's the source. It's not whether you're seeking reward. It's the source. And one reason is it glorifies the source. It's either man or your maker that gets glory. It's either the self, yourself, or other selves, or the Savior. These are always the options in front of you, in front of us as, as human beings. There's always an option of either man getting glory or our maker getting glory. Secondly, the reason it, the issue is the source is that the level of reward. This is how Jesus talks. Is it a small reward or is it a big reward? <laughs> God's reward is simply always better. It's a big reward, to put it sort of pathetically. It's not just the right thing to do. He's not just saying, uh, do this thing. He's saying, the reward you'll get is actually much, much better. And in a word, I think the reward that we're seeking after, the divine reward, is God. 
This is a this is the centerpiece of this point. The reward you're supposed to seek, a primary, the primary reward you're supposed to seek in prayer. When you ask, why am I coming to prayer? For what reason am I praying? What reward am I seeking? As Jesus encouraged me, is God. God himself. This is a distinguishing factor of real Christianity, real faith, versus fake, phony stuff that's all belled and whistled up with religious ceremony and, and Bible studies and all the rest that you can look very, very religious. But the center of it is, are you seeking God in your prayer? Do you want the Lord? Do you desire him? The Psalms talk this way all the time. Psalm 27, 4. This is how David, I think it's David, the psalmist says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. What does he ask the Lord in prayer? One thing have I asked. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after this, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Gaze upon him, to be in his presence, to inquire in his temple. That's what he asks. That's what the psalmist says. One thing, absolutely one thing. I ask this to the Lord, Lord, I would, that I would have that. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. This is, the, this is the heartbeat of real faith. This just is. If you don't experience it this way, if you've never experienced it this way, you have to consider whether you have real Christian faith, whether you have really loved Jesus. That's what it means to love him. Half the coin, anyways, is this heartbeat of I want him. I want him. I want him. That's the heartbeat of real prayer. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I may dwell in his house, that I may gaze upon his beauty. And so as you seek that, Jesus says, don't pray like this. Be absolutely careful. You're, you're, you're not any, you know, so you might imagine him saying, just because they do it doesn't mean you're, in, you're not in danger of doing it. Don't pray like the hypocrites. They pray so that they could be seen. Pray rather to get reward from God, to go into your room, close the door, this doesn't mean ever being seen praying is a problem. We can talk about that if that's an issue for you logically. But go into your room, close the door, and seek the Lord. You know why? Your father who sees in secret will reward you, he says, up front. So that's, you're supposed to seek him. And he gets honor for that. It's the same thing as when, you, you know, if you've got a significant other, you're honored by their attraction to you. You're honored by their desire of you. Man, I, I want to hang out with Sally. There's no Sally's in here, are there? Good. Well, I'll just say my wife. Crazy. I was, you know, ventriloquizing into your... I really, I can't wait to get home with my wife tonight, which I'm excited to tell my wife tonight. You know what that says about her? She's not impressed by my, you know, my desire. Or or even, some of you will be familiar. She won't be, oh man, you're so selfish. You know, if I say, man, I just am, I really am looking forward to being hanging with my wife. I'm going to get a lot of enjoyment out of that. She's not going to say to me, that's really selfish. You're just concerned about your own pleasure, your own desire, your own enjoyment. You know, and you care about me, you know. She won't say that. You know why? Because my enjoyment is in her. So it honors her. It says something about her. She's, she's honored by that. She's loved, feel loved by that. I enjoy her. And if you don't have that in your prayer, it's the same thing with God. So seek God privately. Seek reward. Seek the Lord. Man, if you're not that's absent in your prayers. You have, we have, you have a big time problem in the nature of prayer. So ask for it. You don't despair. You ask for it. Lord, this is one of the, my favorite songs by Shane and Shane. It's called Yearn. And the main line, of course, is, Lord, I want to yearn. 
They don't just say, I yearn for you. They say, I have a desire. I actually have a lacking. You could say, I want to yearn. I have a yearning to yearn. Lord, I want to yearn. I want to love you. Second, don't pray like a pagan. Don't pray like a pagan. He goes on. This is the, uh, what else not to do? Two reasons, two things not to do that Jesus Christ holds up as examples. When you pray, and when you pray, second time you said when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, or the pagans do in different translations, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus knows best. I would suggest that pagan prayers abound still in our culture, just because quote-unquote paganism is long gone as sort of a religion and religions. It abounds. There's lots of praying, but a lot to a lot of godless praying. So what are you saying here? This is godless praying. But notice that they pray a lot. It's very interesting. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. Don't heap them up. They'll think they'll be heard for their many words. So these pagan prayers are actually a lot going on. They're saying a great deal. They may be praying a great deal, in fact, during a day. And he says, don't be like that. Don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask him. So a couple of quick things. Um, just an exhortation. Pray honestly. Don't copy others trying to sound biblical, trying to sound like your favorite teacher or whatever. Come before the Lord. Don't heap up a bunch of words that you know you're supposed to say. You pray honestly before the Lord. Secondly, uh, pray to the God who already knows what you're going to say. We're going to deal with this a bit more next week, but very briefly, Psalm 139, 1 through 4, and verse 16, or 17. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. And he says in verse 16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet there were none of them. So Jesus specifically says, pray, don't pray like them, don't be like them. They pray a whole bunch of words. It's empty phrases, probably mindlessness, just repeating all sorts of stuff. Pray to God. Don't be like them. Your father already knows what you need before you ask. You're not informing him. He's not ignorant of anything. And so we put a category over things like this called the sovereignty of God, or maybe you could say providence. God knows every single one of the days laid up before you right now. In fact, every prayer you make, he already knows what you're about to say the kind of God we worship. We're going to deal with that just a touch bit more, well, maybe half the time next week. If that gives you some kind of consternation, that's good, because there's some, what, going on there? I would actually say, if it doesn't give you any kind of consternation, then you need to wake up a little bit. He just said, he knows everything you need. Well, what in the world? Why do you pray? But Jesus commands it. He says, pray to God. He knows what you need. He knows your needs, so come before him in honesty and forthrightness. So it's a, a false pagan God, if you don't think this way, if you don't believe in a God like this, you possibly are praying to a pagan God, no God at all. You're possibly praying no, 
uh, not to the Lord at all. If you don't consider and really truly love the Lord in this way, he's not a cosmic lotto machine. It's enough prayers he put in, enough prayer coins he put in, he'll finally at one point find that something will happen. That's not what the Lord is like. He's actually a Lord. And we'll talk about him being a father next week and in heaven. We'll talk about him being intimate, a father, and we relate to him that way, and that he's the sovereign God over all things and has, has ordained, predestined all things that will come to pass, these two great realities about him. So finally, just in closing, pray then like this, Jesus goes on. We're going to go into it next week. Pray then like this. He gives this amazing pattern um, of how to pray. I'm going to put it on the screen when we pray, when I pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you don't know it, show of hands, most of you, I imagine, who thinks they do, in fact, know the whole entire Lord's Prayer memorized? I figured. Yeah, almost everybody, probably. Word or two. Uh, four quick, real, real closing things. Uh, <clears throat> Practical, nearly necessary suggestions. One, prioritize and plan to pray. If you believe, if you intellectually assent to the fact that prayer is crazy important, that it's necessary for you, you must prioritize it and plan it. Or almost all the time, it's just going to fall by the wayside. And everything else you do that's, you know, that you don't prioritize. <laughs> you go to class because you prioritize. D.A. Carson says, we do not drift into spiritual life. We do not drift into disciplined prayer. It's not just going to happen. Oh, one day you're going to wake up, and Lord, sanctify me. Sweet, I'm praying all the time. I didn't even try, right? No, it won't happen like that. It just won't. You will drift down the current into the nothingness of Netflix and YouTube and, and video games nonstop. And that's, that's where you end up. We're just wasting time. Two, pray until you pray. I'm not going to read this, but the Puritans have this quote, this teaching, pray until you actually pray, is what they mean. Pray until you actually are away from the distractions, away from the random things, you're just talking out loud, until you finally actually start to commune with the Lord. If you've never experienced that, it, it's, uh, it's undescribable, honestly. Real intimate prayer with the Lord is perhaps the, one of the best blessings he gives us. And so they encouraged, essentially set enough time aside that you'll pray until you actually really start praying and meeting the Lord, meeting in his presence. Three, find a wilderness to pray. Find a wilderness to pray. Wildernesses do not have iPhones in them. You don't find them laying around or computers or, or friends. You got to find a wilderness. You can't, if you're going to plan to pray at seven in the morning and your roommate wakes up at 715, it's not going to work. You're going to be distracted. Everyone's going to be loud got to find a place. That might be difficult for most of you if you're living in the dorms or living in a house with a bunch of people. Uh, FBC, we have a library, sort of. has a few books in it, but it's a nice um, room. I offer that to you if you're interested. It's a 15-minute walk from here, slightly more, 10-minute bike ride at most. Uh, you'd be welcome. We can set some things up. Um, if you need some encouragement or some ideas about where to go find, I encourage you to talk to some upperclassmen or some student leaders here of getting some ideas, but whatever you do, you got to figure it out. you got to find a wilderness in which you can go and get separate for at least 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, three hours, <laughs> whatever. Four last, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know where to start, if you feel any kind of conviction or, or lostness like I'm describing, and you just say, what? I, did, I feel totally confused how to go forward, start with the Lord's Prayer. Start just praying it. Start picking it apart verse by verse or 
little section by little section of a few words. That's how I pray fairly often, actually. And it's what we're going to be showing how to do the whole semester. But pray the Lord's Prayer. Stop with each phrase and consider what it means and ask the Lord to meet you. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer as we close. If I can get back to it. Oh, oh you got her. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll uh, close this just slightly bit more. <clears throat> it starts, Our Father, who art in heaven, be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our... We forgive those... Sorry, stop. Give us this day our daily bread. I, I learned a different one growing. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us that prayer. And uh, Lord, I do just ask, uh, especially after we, we pray it, we say it, that you would cause us to, to mean it, to grow an understanding of what Jesus would have us pray, that that would be more than mindless repetition for us. And so, Father, please grant us that. Grant us to come before you and, and learn and sit. Give us patience. And, Father, teach us. Cause us to love you. Cause us to pray rightly before you that we would come before you knowing that uh, Jesus is the only way in which we can truly pray, truly please you as a father and not as a judge, uh, not as merely our creator. So, Father, thank you. I pray you would bless the rest of our time together. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to Equip Campus Ministries, where all our event audio, panel discussions, and sermons are hosted. For more details, visit EquipCampusMinistries.org. Equip Campus Ministries exists to equip college students to humbly proclaim, explain, and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that, in all things, all people might find joy in displaying the greatness of God's glory.